Him. Shim. Standing by. Complete. Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. And we are the Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing Kamen Rider episodes 30 and 31. The Reborn Fossil, Blood-Sucking Trilobite, Yamageru Kaseki Kyoketsu Sanyochu. Shakar kidnaps a scientist and forces him to create a blood-sucking trilobite kaijin in order to save his wife. The monster attacks writer girl Mari, making this fight a bit more personal for Hayato. All right, Travis. Do you think they found this trilobite in Godzilla, uh, under Godzilla's foot? <laughs> I mean, we do have a Dr. Shimura here. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. We do. So now we're back to blood-sucking kaijin, except this time it's just human blood, not specifically that of puppies and virgins. I yeah. don't know if that makes it less evil or not. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Shocker and using blood for their monsters, but it, it's it's... It's becoming a weird thing. <laughs> a little bit, but like I said, it's uh, vampires. I, I think I've mentioned this before. Vampires are one of those kinds of villains where you don't have to explain why they're evil. You just say, oh, my villain is a vampire. Everyone understands why vampires are evil. But but then that, okay, I get that. But it's kind of defeated when you have it be a trilobite which is a fossilized <laughs> animal and you have to go into a full explanation of what a trilobite is that's actually told to us by the voiceover guy which <laughs> <laughs> is just weird <laughs> not to mention this i'm going to take a wild guess and say trilobites don't really do this this thing's more like a giant tick yeah yeah <laughs> This thing, it's like a big, weird tick thing that starts off small, like, you know, really small. And then when it drinks blood, it grows into the big humanoid kaijin thing that we all know and love. Is it? The thought just occurred to me. If you gave this thing enough blood, could it get kaiju sized? That's what I was wondering, because it says it grows as it takes in blood. So do, we only ever see it take blood from one person before it grows to be. Well, the, I, well one person at a time. A couple of them. 
yeah one person at yeah, a time I was like, why don't you just test why not test that theory see if you can make him giant sized because yeah. at this point common rider doesn't have power ranger friends to come help him <laughs> if they gave him like the blood of a horse well like like would he just keep growing <laughs> bring us more puppies <laughs> bring us more puppies <laughs> I think that might have to be one of the memes for this episode. Bring yes. us more puppies. Our monster needs to grow bigger. <laughs> Bring us more puppies. <laughs> and oh. a few virgins while you're at it, too. <laughs> oh, for the blood, no, for other things. Because <laughs> we're evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, but then we have this really bizarre origin scene for our trilobite monster and i don't understand i think we've talked before about how the ways that shocker makes their kaijin is never entirely the same this one i just i i am baffled we have yeah. colonel zol walking into a room with a candle <laughs> and he goes into this speech about about where he's talking to the current you know to it's not even full-size Kaijin. Trillo, what was it? Trillo Bronza? I caught the, I didn't quite catch the name right, so I just started writing Trillo Bonanza in my, in my notes. Which sounds like a like some sort of bizarre something. But And he starts saying, it's like, oh, brother, and you are the chosen one. And I'm like, dude, you make a Kaijin, a new Kaijin every week. Why is he so special? Also, why did you subtly turn into a cult? <laughs> it, is, it is very, very cultish. It is suddenly just like, I don't know what this ritual is that you're doing, but it seems very odd. It's like, it, it reminds me of the Futurama episode. And I don't know if you saw it because it's, it's one of the later, it's one of the, I think it's the last season actually that ever aired mm -hmm. where they decide they want to bring Calculon back to life after he's dead, after he died. And so they keep doing these things. So they, they set up like, uh, they're like, well, he's a robot. So we have to get a new uh, CPU system to put in him. And so they, they take it from this robot goat. And so they sacrifice this robot goat and then they have to put on these protective coats and they're just like with black with hoods on. And then they have to uh, set up all these like uh, uh, Wi-Fi units in a, around and then it makes like a pentagram. And, and Hermes is just like, this is the least scientific thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that's what this reminds me of it's like science let's wave a candle over this guy while we drain his blood <laughs> it, wasn't even, it wasn't even the guy it was just the little trilobite because apparently they forgot that they've resurrected a fossilized kaijin before no this isn't even the second time they've done this did you have to perform this bizarre ritual for the last time you resurrected a fossil <laughs> they're constantly bringing like like extinct animals back and and making them monsters i just i i don't understand i don't understand but maybe it's supposed to be you know i get you know there's all this talk about hitler being obsessed with the occult during world war ii so maybe the creators on the show are like hey the shocker's basically a bunch of pseudo-nazis anyway colonel zoll is basically an ss officer so cult 
Yeah. Next maybe. thing you know, he's going to go look for the Ark of the Covenant. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him to try to do that. <laughs> why not at this point and then we get some more scenes we get some more scenes with dr shimmer oh no let's keep talking about okay because that's just the first scene when they're just messing with the trilobite then we have the scene where they put the trilobite on dr shimura's wife who they are yes. holding hostage to get him to do stuff for them and they just put it by her neck and the, hence the whole tick thing and then he gets gigantic suddenly and Oh, a human size. And I'm saying there's like, that just looks weird. It looks like he's trying to make out, you know, like he's not make out, but he's, he's like, it's like the prince trying to kiss Snow White to wake her up at that point. But it's this big, ugly trilobite thing. But instead of that, he just rolls over and goes to a food coma. Yeah, he just kind of, <laughs> he just kind of goes into a food coma after drinking blood. I, I it, it, oh, and this then, is such but, a weird. It's a weird episode. And then magically somehow, Dr. Shimmer's wife is not dead. I'm thinking, no. how much blood did he take from her? I'm <laughs> guessing he needed a lot. How does she have anything left? <laughs> but also, they have to give her like an antidote to make her better because that's one of the things that they're holding over Dr. Shimura's head. It's like, we won't restore her health without your help and, and you know, unless you help us. And so it's like, what's what <laughs> what's going on i don't understand well, that's this not, that's not uh, that's not nearly as silly as what the writer crew does later oh <laughs> uh, yeah i'm actually checking it oh wait no that's for one of my awards so i'm saving that okay. but <laughs> i'm just like uh <laughs> scooby-doo logic just came back <laughs> i also really like so they they kidnap shocker kidnaps dr shimura and that's when it's revealed that shocker has secretly somehow without him realizing it built an entire underground secret layer right under his house <laughs> with secret <laughs> doors in his a, with a very with a very super villainy secret passage and i thought wait is this Dr. Shimura's secret passage? Why? I thought he was the good guy. Why it, Why does he have a mad scientist secret passage? I'm confused, Show. Well, when the, <laughs> when, when he, when sh the Shocker goons take him through the secret passage, he says, why is this under my house? So it's like, he didn't know it was there. They just built this around, uh, like, while he was living in this house. It is bizarre to say the least and and then i love this thing later when dr zolf talks to him this almost made it to common at you where he just <laughs> he just randomly it just makes me laugh because i'm like why are you pointing out the obvious here it's just a, he just tells him but uh, he's telling him he's like we need you to do all of these things for us and he's being defiant as you are with shocker the least secret secret society ever and <laughs> And he, but then Colonel Zolt tells him, but don't forget you've been kidnapped. I'm like, your name is now Colonel Obvious. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was like, a, like, don't forget who holds all the cards here. Yeah. It's like, okay. it's like that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it just seemed a little funny to me. I also love the fact in the same scene, 
because translating Japanese is kind of fun, where he's telling off Colonel Zol, Dr. Shimura, and he says, Bakara, which apparently can mean ridiculous, because that's how it got subtitled here. And I thought, huh, usually when I hear Bakara, it's translated either idiot or banana oil. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> that's a deep cut reference for you i'm not explaining that one write us in and tell us how if you got that one or not because if you do you are one of the best nerds ever <laughs> <laughs> so did I, I i'm forgetting the sequence of events because i know that one of the writer girls gets attacked by the giant tick monster uh, but is that before or <laughs> <Spoon>! after <laughs> the tick? Uh, <laughs> but is that before or after Goro, the kid, is going to quote the Seventeenth Amendment of the Japanese Constitution to Taki? <laughs> I don't know. Goro goes full tilt, Kamikaze with this. <laughs> I um, I was just so taken aback. I'm like, wait a minute, is this kid seriously pulling this? And then I went into MIFV mode because I'm like, I have to know what he's actually saying. And I looked it up, and actually, in context, it makes sense <laughs> like, because he's complaining because he's like, he's like, you know, he's who was it? Was it Taki? Yeah, it was Taki. Okay, so Taki. Like he was, they were in a park and he was eating a, a what was it, a banana or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he just throws it on the ground and that makes Goro angry. And he's like, Oh, you're such a litter bug. And he picks it up and he's all upset that he has to pick up after Taki. And he starts saying, like, Oh, you know, we're the 17th Amendment of the, of the Constitution. And then he, then he gets interrupted and he isn't, he isn't able to finish. Like, what? What are you, what's just what? And then I looked it up and this is what the article 17. They render it, um, you know, the 17th Amendment in the Shout Factory subtitles. But this is what it actually says. Quote, every person may sue for redress as provided by law from the state or a public entity in case he has suffered damage through illegal act of any public official. End quote. So okay. I guess Goro is threatening to sue him? <laughs> to, to, sue, <laughs> to sue Taki, the FBI agent? Japanese FBI agent. Japanese so I FBI. I guess it applies because he's, I mean, he's, I guess an FBI agent is something of a public official because he's in a law enforcement agency mm. and he's doing something that bothers him. And, you know, so yeah. just, uh, this is very much a Kenny moment because I'm just, it's like, how many. 10 year olds do you know who are going to be smart enough to reference this okay this is he turned into an adult a very tiny adult for a second there yeah we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna... I was like i have a constitutional right to sue you i'm like <laughs> <laughs> i i, look, I see talk... now why you were I, I see now why you were kidnapped and turned into one of the children of the shock corn now <laughs> yeah yeah but I, we're going to talk more about Goro in the next uh, bit that we talk, the next episode that we talk about on this week. But, uh, but I do just love Goro. I just, I really do. He is such a sassy little kid. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, I, admit, I, I did appreciate that. You know, another thing 
that uh, took me a bit by surprise. You remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about how we now have in-universe products for our heroes. Because mm-hmm. we had the writer, the the common rider mask yeah, that Goro was wearing. Actually, that was in the children. That was in the Children of the Shotcorn episode. Guess what else? Now, in a very metal way, exists in universe. <laughs> yeah, I love this part. The freaking theme song. <laughs> I do. I love it. I love it. When the kids start, we're walking by and they're like, right, uh, kick, right, uh, jump, coming, right, uh, coming, right, uh, right, uh, right, uh. <laughs> okay. I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> Are we to believe that this is something that this little group of children invented or has common writer actually gotten popular enough in universe that someone made a jingle that just so happens to be the actual show's theme song? No, no, no. I am clearly overthinking this (laughs) in the universe. There is a common writer TV show. And on the TV show, that that's where Hongo's been. Hongo's been playing Co- the Common Rider on the TV show within Common Rider. <laughs> I didn't realize that the sequel to Inception would be about Common Rider. Common <laughs> Rider. It's a, it's a Common Rider within a Common Rider. <laughs> oh my gosh that's too much that's, my brain hurts I, <laughs> I, that 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 truly truly does hurt now <laughs> so uh, but this uh, is not uh, but this is not limited to common rider the, they've done this in at least one ultraman series actually it was i think it was ultraman ace they did that too there was a scene in an episode of ultraman ace where they go to an orphanage and the kids love Ultraman Ace, and they start singing about Ultraman Ace. In fact, I think there was a teacher there with them who started leading them in this song, and it's the theme song to the show. <laughs> the trilobite monster attacks one of the writer girls. I don't want to get too into it because it touches on both yours and my What the Henshin from this week. But we do have to just establish that 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 has happened. So now, uh, so Hayato is like, now it's personal (laughs) and starts going after them. (laughs) And they find out that they're going to take because the trilobite monster can shrink back down to his normal size, like his average size, a little baby size. Okay, I don't know if this is a design flaw or brilliant. (laughs) Or a brilliant uh, I, design flaw? It's it's brilliant because the idea is they're going to take him and fly him all over to different places and have him drain the blood of, like, I guess, uh, government officials? Important people. Important people. <laughs> and so they're actually going to take this trilobite monster on an airplane. And so they're at the airport. The, the shocker goons are at the airport, but then Common Rider shows up and I love 
just common writer standing at the <laughs> loading and unloading <laughs> section at the airport and people are and like it's like obviously at, at, at Tokyo International Tokyo, Tokyo International, International airport, airport the busiest airport in Japan and obviously it's still operational it's still going and they just have like I guess they have uh uh they have the legal right to to film there i guess they went through the right channels and and can film there but but you can still see people like just going in and out of the airport <laughs> like on their way doing going on business trips going on vacation whatever behind common rider while he's standing there <laughs> it's just just the, the just the the contrast there is just brilliant <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because no one is surprised. The, the bad guys are surprised, but it's still, everyone's just going about their business. They're like, oh, hey, look, motorcycle grasshopper man. Hi, how you doing? Oh, yep. don't mind me. I'm just standing here waiting for the villains to come by. Oh, you are? Okay. Thanks for letting me know. I was <laughs> Yeah, if he if if like Colin Ryder is as famous as what we've been led to believe with all the kids singing the songs and dressing up like him, shouldn't he be like a celebrity that like people are like hounding him for autographs and stuff? <laughs> You're probably asking for a little much from this show. <laughs> <laughs> but this all leads to the fight in the parking lot of the airport where one of the rider goons are not rider goons. One of the shocker goons sacrifices himself in a way to give. Maybe. His, I don't know. We, I don't know if he's dead or not. I don't know if he's dead, but he definitely willingly gives up his blood so that tri the trilobite yeah, I mean, monster. He, he flat out gets a knife. We don't see it happen, but uh, we see him get a knife out and the implication is he's going to cut his hand and let tiny Trilla Bonanza have a snack. Yeah. Again, the show was trying to get back to its horror roots from the first 13 episodes while also still being incredibly silly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to go along with the, the horror feel of this whole episode uh one of the final attacks that the the trilobite monster has is spitting oh, acid Lord. blood <laughs> I, I mean even kr2 is just it freaks out it's like ah, not just no <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like nope uh, it's just that uh, nope <laughs> done <laughs> <laughs> all kinds now, of nope <laughs> yep <laughs> just nope i'm out <laughs> i just just, just rider kick just just rider kick <laughs> rider kick <laughs> get now, over here it? rider kick <laughs> <laughs> now what's interesting here though is i i wanted to ask you do we count this monster as being defeated by common rider because he wasn't actually really defeated by common rider I, I i was waiting for him to explode he doesn't explode like most things do when you rider kick them but 
all they say is that he reverts back to his original form. Okay. And so I thought, okay, and now and now Common Rider will squish it. Yeah. <laughs> but but no. earlier in the episode, <laughs> Dr. Shimura had said that he because uh, they kidnapped him to help him uh, t- so that he could help Shocker make the trilobite monster stronger. But he actually built in a specific lifespan. So the trilobite monster would only live for so long so that just in case Shocker decided to betray him, which they did uh, by not letting him escape or letting him uh, or giving him his wife back, uh, which at least Common Rider does rescue them in a very hilarious scene early on where uh, Hayato shows up at Dr. Shimura's house and he realizes the trilobite monster is hiding behind a curtain, but does it do anything <laughs> about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but so when when uh when common rider's fighting the trilobite monster at the end of the episode he says oh what did Sh- you know what did dr shimura do to me and then he reverts back to his you know tiny self and dies so it was actually dr shimura who defeated this monster not common rider this is true this is I true he just had I, to kick him hard enough to get him to shrink i guess uh, I guess, or or just get him to you know just keep him busy so he doesn't hurt anybody until eventually his time runs out. I so it's Ultraman. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just I just thought it, I did think it was really interesting that this is uh that this was technically Common Rider didn't defeat the monster. This is true. This is true. The only other thing that I'll bring up for this episode is. There was a line, and I think it's better in Japanese than with the subtitles. I considered it for the Kamenacho Award. I just thought it sounded cool. It was from Trilla Bronzo or whatever. Trilla Bonanza. Trilla Zorro. I don't care. <laughs> Where he's on, you know, he has the high ground, and he's looking down at KR2, and he says, Raida, koi! <laughs> you know, <laughs> basically, you know. Come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. You know, uh-huh. I just the way it was delivered, I just thought it was really cool. You know, yeah. but it's better in Japanese than subtitled because it's basically "Rider, come." You know, mm-hmm. but they subtitled like "Come after me" or something like that. I forget. Uh, but yeah, I think we can move on to the next episode now. The Anteating Devil Arigabari. Shito, Arikuri Majin Arigabari. Shakar unleashes an anteater kaijin to spread a deadly bacteria in an apartment complex. Goro is injured, once again making Hayato's fight against Shakar a personal one. So, Travis, anteaters. Apparently, they're terrifying. Yeah, apparently, they, uh,. They're very, very horrifying because this this monster is one of the freakiest yeah. looking things we've ever seen. Yeah, this is actually, I think, one of the better ones that we've had on the show. <laughs> yeah, I do. I in, do in really a, like- in, not in an ironic way. Like, like we like Musasa Bito ironically. This one, 
despite the fact that it's an anteater, I could take it seriously. Well, I, I took Santa Paris seriously, but Santa Paris was also kind of silly too, but <laughs> uh, I take it serious until he tongues people to death. <laughs> Again, kind of yokai-ish. Yeah, yeah, a little yokai-ish. We have the curse of the Amazon, which just... Yeah, and then we have the curse of the Amazon, because apparently he's from the Amazon, so I guess there's an Amazon branch of of Shocker. And once again, they're importing help. And also, at the same time, the we talked about this a bit before in another episode. The narrator basically reiterates what we were already told. I was like, why do you have to tell us, narrator, what the power of Ari Gabari. <laughs> Ari Gabari is. You already told us. You're just, this is you're from the Department of Redundancy Department. I, just whatever at this point. <laughs> yeah. Although, while we're on the subject of the beginning of the episode, I did look it up. Mount Tengu is a real place. I thought it was made up, but I looked it up. No, it's a real mountain. Yeah, and it's uh, it's named after the Tengu from Japanese mythology. Yep, it was a, a bird creature. Yeah, uh, with a long nose, which uh, makes sense why the monster that uh, appears on Mount Tengu is an anteater with a really long nose. An anteater, mm-hmm. which also leads us to some weird yet also kind of horrifying things later <laughs> yeah yeah again the show is going for horrifying and silly <laughs> i do want to point out though i think it's really interesting that they they mention that you know people are vanishing on mount tingu and that they nicknamed it mount vanishing that uh the tingu are most famously known for being creatures that do take people humans or children on kind of like spirited away adventures into uh other realms ah. so it's uh yeah mm. there's one very famous story about a tingu that that uh kidnaps a well i don't know about kidnaps but he takes a boy on an adventure and uh takes him away to a, to a faraway place so so yeah they're they're kind of like known for that that's what they're kind of known for doing and yeah i think i think that's kind of just an interesting little tie-in here well i mean that poor guy at the beginning he gets to go for a trip i guess sort of yeah yeah uh let's talk about the dissolving effect here a little bit i mean we're we're oh, talk I'm about... saving that i'm saving that for the awards oh okay okay <laughs> well well the the we'll just we won't talk about it in detail but th- what happens when uh, the bacteria which is called the curse of the amazon comes into contact with humans uh they dissolve <sighs> they dissolve away and remember how we were talking about the quirky dissolving effects in those first 13 episodes i, I think they learned yeah <laughs> Yeah, because it uh, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about we'll talk about it in more detail later. But but this is why I said uh, that this monster tongues people to death because it's his tongue, his long skinny tongue that transfers the bacteria to people. Yes, 
He also makes, if you're immune to the bacteria, because there's one guy he finds who's immune, he somehow takes control of the person and in order to maintain the bacteria inside of him so he can continue to spread it, this doesn't sound like 2020 at all. <laughs> yeah. He uh, has to eat ants. Because we yeah. have seen later that admittedly is kind of weirdly edited, but we're being led to believe that he's this pseudo zombie who has to eat ants in order to maintain the bacteria which, like I said, is weird and horrifying all at the same time. <laughs> it, it gives me so many horror vibes. It, it, it almost makes me think of uh, of Cabin Fever. You know, you know that that horror movie. Yeah. For, mm-hmm. Because it's it's basically just a flesh eating bacteria that that you know is attacking people uh, in the movie, and that's what kind of this is. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a line from that uh, character. I can't remember his name, but and again, we once again that we were seeing this in the last couple of episodes. Again, this trope of having an adult with a substantially younger sibling, mm-hmm. whether it's a boy or a girl, doesn't matter. But substantially, because we have that trope here again, and there is a point where. <laughs> where Ari Gabari just pops out from behind the guy magically. It's like, was he just walking behind him the whole time? Keeping himself behind him? He He does it a few times in this episode. And I love it each time where, where Ari Gabari just pops out of nowhere. Like just, just appears behind this guy as he, you know, and it's just, it's really, really actually kind of cool because for being such a, like like just thinking of the the real life you know real world things of having to adjust the camera shot and have the guy stand in such a way to block this pretty cumbersome monster suited like stunt double is is really just like the fact that they were able to hide the shot so well or hide the character so well that when he actually does appear in the shot, you're like, Oh wow. He just kind of just popped up there. Uh, I don't know. I just, I thought that was like really good camera work. It was, that's for sure. And he's announced by the brother saying to some, uh, to another character, you're going to serve shocker as I do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Almost almost chose that for common at (laughs) you. Because the storyline revolves, the storyline in this, at least in the first half of this episode, revolves around the younger brother of the guy who was kidnapped and turned into a basically like a carrier of the bacteria uh, that that his younger brother is worried about him and doesn't think that he's acting like himself and he's trying to convince his friends. He ends up convincing Goro. And so Goro steals a flashlight from Tachibana, which was a great scene where he takes this, he takes the flashlight from Tachibana as Tachibana's working on the motorcycle and just runs away. And he says, I'm sorry. And then hops on, yeah. hops on Hayato's motorcycle and says, you're my savior. Go, go, go. <laughs> it's, it's actually kind of, it's interesting because the main cast members don't really show up for a while in this episode. Yeah. 
yeah, it's really focused a lot on Goro and this other kid. And I, I, that's what I was saying in the last episode I was going to talk about more here is I, I have said it before and I'll say it again. I like Goro. The way that they treat Goro is he is smart. He's smart like an adult without making the adults seem like idiots. You know, the, the, and I've Mm -hmm. said it before, we've talked about it before, how in Gamera and other uh, movies and shows that are geared towards kids, the way that they make the kids seem smarter is by making the adults more dumb. That's not what they do with Goro. The adults are all still as smart as they normally are, but Goro is just equally as smart and equally as good at figuring things out as they are and i think that's just great he's a really great character it's a really great way of doing a kid sidekick uh in this Mm -hmm. show that i think other japanese shows from the same time period should have learned from (laughs) Mm. yeah now unfortunately i don't think any of them can compete with colonel zoll's god voice machine as i put it yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because he yeah. just gives orders to Ari Gabari with the God voice machine. He just talks into it. He can magically talk to the Kaijin. Just okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, but you know, as just, much as I love Goro and, and I think Goro does great, it, they kind of like, they, they use Goro as a plot device in this episode because while he and the younger brother go out trying to figure out what's going on, they're caught and cornered by Ari Gabari. And then you have Hayato who comes in to stop and, and, and rescue them. But twist, big twist, Hayato doesn't succeed. Hayato actually fails. Yep. Because we have yet another Kaijin who is conveniently immune to the rider kick he just he completely brushes it off like it it's even worse than some of the other ones where it's you know i got kick and he hits him and it, he doesn't even care mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and just brushes it off completely and then and, goro tries to go after him and goro gets injured and he ends up mm-hmm. in the hospital and is like suffering basically a psychotic break is how they describe it but he mm. basically is suffering from PTSD because he saw his hero, Common Rider, be defeated at the same time that he also suffered major, you know, injuries, physical injuries. A traumatic and, injury. Yeah. And so the combination of the the physical trauma plus the mental trauma has just got him kind of just in a in a weird, you know, almost comatose state. And yeah, it it Hayato does not take it well. No, he doesn't. Although I wouldn't take it well either if the doctors were intravenously feeding this kid ecto cooler. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was some really bright funny. green, really bright green liquid going into that. Uh, I into was that. like, I'm thinking, that's not saline. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> 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 what no and then oh it's about dang time right travis it's oh, about definitely. dang time because for the first time in really i would say probably since episode 13 tachibana goes back to being the actual mentor 
and he's a tough one too. Good yeah, grief, he was never this hard on Hongo. He just slapped <laughs> oh, Hayato across the face. It's like snap out of it. It's like this kid loves you. You need to take care of this. Stop being. Stop. Wh- stop whining. <laughs> 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 it, it, you know we, we've been talking about how they're trying to go back to their roots with those first 13 episodes this episode feels a lot like the one and i forget was it episode 13 or was it episode 12 whichever one where they had the soccer playing lizard uh <laughs> lizard that was log. 13 13 yeah i and, think it was 13 and hongo had to learn how to do a new move because his rider kick yeah, was now we pay enough. off learning the new move it took him three episodes remember when he said with the with the mole of mole yeah, like, yeah. I have to learn a like, new move and he never does and now he is in this one yeah but, okay. but you remember back then with lizard lawn when hongo was still a common rider when when tachibana actually like was like okay, I'll help you, and starts pushing like the rocks down the hill towards Hongo, so uh-huh. he can learn how to deflect the the rocks and stuff. That's what this feels like. It feels like Tachibana actually getting in there and being like, okay, Common Rider needs me. I'm going to you know jump in and I'm going to make sure that he you know knuckles down and and starts uh, and gets his act together. And yeah, he's really tough on Hayato in this episode, but it does pay off. Yes, in a scene that I think you're going to like way too much. When Hayato decides to go train wearing a nice suit, I might add. Oh, yeah. And then Taki shows up and once again shows that he has, he does exactly what Kamen Rider does, but he's not supposed to have superpowers, but whatever. Yeah. I'm I'm just going to step aside. I'm just going to step aside here for a second, you weirdo, and you could do your shipping. I almost forgot about this scene until you just mentioned it. I was like, what scene are you talking about? Oh, oh that I, I have brought this upon oh, myself. Of course, the training montage between Hayato and Taki. It's a beautiful moment. Just the two of them working together. Just and and, and Taki is is sitting there and he's and he he knocks Hayato down. Hayato's like, okay, again, and you know he keeps going. They keep going. It's just this beautiful. It's so beautiful, man. It's just a beautiful training montage between two bros, and I just love it. I love it so much. You're done, son. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Okay, now I found what the other name that this goofy monster has. It was Antakabari. I just found oh, it yeah. in my notes. Yeah. An- like anti, like up the ante, like you're playing poker. Antigabara. Antigabara. Does that mean this thing's a, a female? Antigabara. Hello, Antigabara. <laughs> Gabari. Excuse me. Antigabari. Hello, Antigabari. He does sound uh, like I, a Jurassic Park T-Rex, though. Yes, I was going to say, uh, like, the noises he makes sound so much like a T-Rex. It's so great. But this is 20 years before Jurassic Park, which just makes it even weirder. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, 
Actually, then, you know what it sounds like when, the- when when I heard the noise. He and I'm probably and this is probably more accurate to where they actually got the sound effect from. He sounds like an elephant, and I think it's an elephant ah, yes. noise whenever he shows up. But it's still well, weird for an anteater to make it, an elephant noise. <laughs> well, the nose. It's like a trunk. Yeah. True. Yeah. Also, they did use. I don't know if you knew this or not, Travis, but they did actually, part of the sounds that they sampled to make the Jurassic Park T-Rex roar was mm-hmm. a baby elephant. was a baby elephant, yeah. So, yep. so it makes some sort of sense. So now let's talk about KR2's new move. The yeah. Rider Manji Kick. Manji Manja. Yes. So I looked it up. And it has more meanings to it than I thought. It has several, actually, that might be relevant to this. One is it's actually the name of a Japanese era in history, albeit a very short one, (laughs) only from 1658 to 1661. It's like, okay. It's also the name of a Psy-like weapon. So, you know, like Raphael from Ninja Turtles, the three-pronged daggers, Mm -hmm. the size. There's one like that. Uh, a manji is the name of a weapon that's like that from Okinawa. Like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. It's also the Japanese name for the symbol that we call the swastika. Yeah. Uh, I think that what (laughs) they're going with is the the Psy-like weapon. Let's say that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that one. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. But it's basically just the rider kick, but a little bit fancier, and apparently strong enough to take out Anti Gabari, Ari Gabari, whichever name you prefer. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's it's a stronger, just kind of more. Uh, it, it, it's like when when uh Hongo did his yes super rider kick or whatever he called it in that episode it's i don't know like if that. they gave it a fancy name or not but it could shake a mountain right and uh yes. this one blew up a mountain of course if now i'm to the i've basically been trained by this show now where if the target of the rider kick doesn't make it explode i'm disappointed yeah disappointed show i expect <laughs> explosions and That's how then, this works. So, Common Rider finally defeats Ari Gabari, and then just this beautiful moment where he just pops into Goro's window, well, the window of the hospital room that he's in, <laughs> and says, "Goro, I won! I won!" <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I thought that was pretty touching because I don't know, I'm a sucker for I'm a sucker for superheroes showing up to talk to kids, particularly sick kids who yeah. love that hero and just telling them it's like, guess what, kid? I won. 
Yeah, it's so you great. can it, too. You know that really I, is, I, I, I'm yeah. a sucker. <laughs> it really is. It really is great. I, I love it too. And and I think that as much as we make fun of it and kind of poke fun at this episode, I think that from the standpoint of a kid in the 70s, in you know, in 1971, 72, watching this show and you know, seeing Common Rider lose and how badly it affected you know, appear someone about the age of the people who were going to be viewing this show regularly. It it just would have been, it would have been a huge emotional moment. Uh, and then to have him fight to overcome that obstacle and succeed in, you know, improving himself and being better, and lifting himself up from, you know, because he was, Hayato was in a deep depression after losing. And, you know, it was Tachibana who kind of helped him. It it was a combination of Tachibana and Taki who kind of shook him out of that deep depression and got him to a point where he could actually defeat Arigabari and going back to Mm -hmm. Goro and saying that it just like, just imagining myself as a kid in the seventies, watching this for the first time, that would have been a huge, huge deal and a huge emotional uh, moment. So yeah, this, this is, Mm -hmm. this is probably one of my favorite episodes that we have covered of the entire show. I really love the whole plot, Mm -hmm. the whole storyline, because I, I, whereas like you're a sucker for for the stuff that you were talking about, I'm a sucker for a hero who who loses a battle and has to learn from it. Again, kind of like Gamera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's how Gamera works. Although, do you think that it gets a little undermined by the <laughs> by the goofy sound effect they use for all the people they wake up from the bacteria when they treat them at the end i'm used to goofy sound effects in this show period so <laughs> yeah but it's just like bling. oh just yeah like, what do we do we really need the sound effect because in a because i've seen uh what was it uh there's a i can't remember the name of the director but it's a really famous director a japanese director he made a movie called good morning in the late 50s mm-hmm. it's a slice of life drama and one of the running jokes in it is there's a bunch of kids who being they're, they're a bunch of boys and they're laughing at themselves flatulating throughout the whole movie. And they use a sound effect that's eerily similar to what they use for people waking up from the bacteria <laughs> coma to uh, for them passing gas. And I'm just like, okay, so they're, they're farting. Apparently themselves I shouldn't awake. have watched that movie. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Moving on to the awards. We need to bring some class back to this podcast. Anyway, the head shin kick or the best stunter fight scene in this week's episodes. I had what I called the mountaintop swashbuckling from episode 31. Just because, again, we've talked a bit about there being some more swashbuckling action the last few episodes. And I just thought, okay, common Rider beating up shocker goons, stealing their, uh, stealing a sword from them and then taking them out and tossing them off the side of the mountain. Like there's a shot of one of those shocker goons literally getting thrown off the side of the mountain and he just rolls down. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, that can't have felt good. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Again, 
reward the actual stunt work because that was impressive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I thought about that too when I saw that scene. I was like, ooh, yeah, that one looked like it actually hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and then what'd you have? Um, mine is kind of a general uh thing because it, it kind of covers any episode that we cover but anytime taki does some stunt there's some specific times in these two episodes that we where we see taki doing some leaps and jumps and kicks and i just think that the fact that taki does all those stunts and he's not you know hiding behind the mask and stuff so you're not like you're you know it's this actual actor who's doing those stunts i think it's great i think he he does some really great stunt work some of his stunts rival if not surpass some of the stunt work from actual common writer so yeah i just i just love the stunt work that taki does like you said he almost seems like mm -hmm. a superhero like he has superpowers he has to have superpowers i mean how do you just i'm so confused <laughs> it's anyway, an fbi training FBI training. It's uh, the same uh, training that Mulder uh, and Scully FBI has. FBI training. <laughs> FBI training makes you equal to a uh, to a cyborg with superpowers. That's why Scully could leap through the air and and high kick people in X Files. <laughs> anyway, talking Toku best special effect, and we have the same one. We only yep. touched on it. Good grief. Again, getting back to the horror roots, but also clearly learning from what they've done before. We cracked jokes before about the quirky dissolving effects in those first, first 13 episodes. Suddenly, they figured out how to do it, and good grief, it's horrifying. Yeah. I yeah. was genuinely horrified by the imagery I saw when this happened. Where uh, uh, Ari Gabari tongues a guy, injects the bacteria, and it works like that, and the dude falls on the ground and melts. Yeah, just absolutely just dissolves into nothing. It is really great. It's a really great effect. It's very uh impactful like you said it just it makes you realize yeah. this monster is not one to be messed with oh my gosh i was i was shocked how good it was i really Stay was. Away I was from the tongue don't let them tongue you <laughs> now i'm thinking of the of one of my favorite lines from the first hellboy movie uh uh, uh second date no tongue <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> that might have to be one of the uh, that might be a meme for this episode <laughs> uh, uh. oh man <laughs> anyway comment at you speaking of uh, of good lines <laughs> best line of the two episodes we have the same one i had several candidates but i landed on this one and it's said by a shocker goon yeah when the shocker goons come out of the secret passage from mm. Dr. Shinar, uh, was it Shinara's? Shimura's uh, in his house, the secret passage he did not know was there and that was somehow secret even to him. And he asks the <laughs> shocker goons, Who are you? And they tell him, Inhabitants of a world you know nothing about. The shocker goons have been stepping up their game. 
I have to say, they're subtly more articulate. They're not just running going anymore. They're actually they're they're polite. They're conversational. A little bit witty, apparently. And this is a really cool line, and I really like the line. But I do have to ask, what does it mean? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, uh, shocker goons are now trained to be obtuse. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's a cool line, but I don't know what they mean by it. <laughs> well, yes. Well, you see, Travis, shocker world is an interesting place. <laughs> yeah, where you always succeed and you never <laughs> fail, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is branded uh, with your logo. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, Colonel Zoll tells you what to do with his God voice machine. So you yep. always know what your task is. <laughs> and with uh, that seems like a great way to transition to WTH what the henshin. <laughs> yes. And we hinted at it. I mean... It, compared to some other things that I have given this award to, this doesn't seem quite as wacky, but it's going back to the Scooby-Doo logic. When poor Mari is in the hospital after being attacked by Trilla Bonanza because she had her blood drained, <laughs> the writer girls and their infinite wisdom. Uh, you know their <laughs> infinite pop cultural wisdom. I'm guessing decide to fill her hospital room with garlic. They hang <laughs> garlic gar- from the ceiling. <laughs> There's just garlic everywhere. But not only that, and I didn't know if you, I don't know if you picked up on because it, it wasn't in the notes. But Goro is sitting by her bed with a cross over her oh i didn't catch that I didn't so they are like full-on vampire hunter mode <laughs> they've got the holy well, water makes- the cross and the garlic well and what makes it even funnier is everybody else who's not mari unconscious mari they're all wearing surgical masks uh-huh. and i'm thinking is it because of the smell <laughs> and then but then the funny thing is is any of the guys you know uh, taki or i think it was taki and hayato come in at some point in the episode while this is going on they just walk in and they're mm. not wearing surgical masks so i'm like does the smell not bother them are they so hardcore <laughs> that they're not s- bothered by the smell of the garlic or something <laughs> I just it's just like it's such a it's such a weird thing it's like i mean Early on, like, what was it? Episode two of this entire series had the Batman in it. In that episode, <laughs> yes. I was would. Episode one. I think it was, I would, it was no, episode, no, no. No, episode, episode one was, one the, was Spider-Man. the Spider-Man. Man. Yeah. Episode two was the <laughs> Batman. So I, I would expect them to do garlic and, and everything like that for that, but not for this. Like, this is like. This has nothing to do with a vampire other than, well, I guess, yeah. He yeah does the only blood. thing I seeing this just makes me wish that one of the writer girls 
would have actually run into Trillo Bonanza and actually would have tried to throw some of the garlic at him. Throw some garlic. That would have been hilarious. Uh, just seeing Garo <laughs> holding up the cross at the, the Trillo bite. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they had paid that off. Well, I shouldn't say that. I wish they had expanded on that instead of it just being this one scene that they go to. Yeah, like just a gag. <laughs> just a gag. I'm like, come on. That would you could continue the gag, you know, throw the garlic at the trillion. Uh, see, I, I I love that you noticed the garlic first. I didn't even notice the garlic until after after a little bit in the scene uh, I was like oh yeah they've got garlic <laughs> hanging down the first thing I noticed was Goro holding the cross over her so I was like is that a cross and you, and then I realized oh wait there's garlic of course they're trying to they're trying to keep away vampires <laughs> uh, continuing the theme of crosses and crucifixions <laughs> yeah that's why I was like I'm surprised that you didn't notice that in that scene <laughs> I'm, I am really surprised I didn't notice that now. <laughs> oh, but man, uh, but what was your WTH this week? Um, the fact that the trilobite monster, uh, fights by ripping pieces of his body off of himself and throwing them <laughs> like ninja stars. But when he rips, we saw, we saw Santa Paris do this, <laughs> right? But but when he does it he actually rips it off of like his like abdomen area and they actually mm. put a part of the suit they made it look fleshy and gooey underneath the the plates so that when he ripped off those plates of the suit it actually looked like flesh like gooey yucky flesh underneath and Ooh. I was just like, why, why would you go like you're, you, they're wearing spandex pants and a big wrestling belt. Why would you make the, that part of the suit so realistic that when they, when he rips off the piece of his shell, you actually see fleshy red gooey <laughs> underneath. It's so weird and bizarre that that would be the part that they decide to make hyper realistic. Ooey gooey goodness. It's just, it's so weird that that, I mean, like, again, going back to the horror side of it, like he's ripping his own outer, you know, exoskeleton off, but it, they're actually showing like the underneath side of what he looks like when he rips it off. And it just, it looks painful. It looks seriously painful. And yet he still does it because he's that hardcore. <laughs> Anyway, now it's time for Minute to Henshin It. All right, now we will give our final thoughts on the episodes we covered for this week's episode of Henshin Men in one minute or less. I went first last week. Travis, would you like to go first this time? Sure. All right, on your mark, get set, go. These episodes were just absolutely fun i i just i love them they these were probably top tier episodes both of them uh in this hayato era of common rider i love goro i love taki love tachibana tachibana being the mentor again of course like i said i'm a sucker for 
a hero story where he loses a battle and has to learn from it and build himself back up from the bottom. And that's what we get in, in the second episode that we covered this week. And it's just, they're just great. They're just so much fun. Wow. 35 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Getting this done quickly must be your superpower. Are you FBI trained or did shocker get to you? I I have been trained by the FBI (laughs) to get, through my description and and thoughts as quickly as possible <laughs> <laughs> and sadly i did not get any of that training because henshin all right so yes i had a very good time with these episodes i mentioned before i'm a sucker for a superhero meeting with one of his fanboys or fangirls and giving them some much needed encouragement it actually makes me think a little bit of you know those travis those guys who would cosplay as superheroes and then go see kids in hospitals Mm -hmm. and things like that it's you know it's very endearing i would say so yeah i'm a bit of a sucker because let's be honest when you grow up loving superheroes you kind of secretly hope that you can meet your hero like that especially at a very tender moment like that also these kaijin were nuts and highly entertaining so Yes, good episodes all around. 50 seconds, take that drift space. (laughs) (laughs) Fanboy 50. And with that, we want to say thank you for listening to the Henshin Men, a tokusatsu appreciation podcast. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of me on the Kaiju Weekly podcast and more of Nathan on the Monster Island Film Vault. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. And until next time, what are we going to say, Nathan? KR2 keeps winning by the henshin of his teeth. <laughs>